Men, do you want to look and feel good? Let Cimarroni Couture fit you with the finest fabrics and the best fitting custom shirts, pants, sport coats, and suits. We will come to your home or office, or if you want, you can come to us. We look forward to being of service to you. Call Missy, our CEO, at 216-496-2592. That's Cimarroni Couture, 216-496-2592. Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni, Blood Time Podcast, and I got a fantastic guest on the phone from, I believe, the wonderful state of Missouri, the, the Show Me State. Nick Perler, how you doing, Nick? Doing fantastic. Thank you guys for having me. Nick, are you, uh, what, what part of Missouri are you guys in? I'm just from outside of St. Louis. I live about 30 miles north of St. Louis, and we have a gym up here as well. So my brother, Tony, is in the Kansas City area, so mm-hmm. we're both, uh, you know, probably 25, 30 miles from the Illinois border. He's probably 15, 20 miles from the Kansas border. So I love uh, kind of on opposite ends of the state. But I, I'm in the same. I love it. I love it. Well, you guys are uh, pure Midwesterners. We love it. And we love the Midwestern ethic. And you went to a fabulous university, but you had a pretty storied career in high school in Missouri. I think you were what a three or four times state champ. I think you only lost a couple matches in your entire career. And then you go over to uh, Oklahoma State with a with another superstar from our state, Alan Freed, back in the uh, the days when the uh, when the uh, Cowboys were kicking butt. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I graduated high school in '88. Uh-huh. Took it off to to gray shirt, which is not very popular nowadays. But I right. was a look for college wrestling i have an identical twin brother and it's just looking at the projections as far as the lineup over the next four to six years our coach back then joe c yeah um like why don't you gray shirt tony will be a red shirt and then you know we'll slide back in and that was sort of the plan it worked out pretty well except for that i got a little bit too big so making 118 was um it was kind of a miserable for me uh sure it was just but you really don't know. Sometimes we grow more out of high school, but yeah. So yeah, I'm a state. So was my brother, and um, um, my first year of of college officially was eighty nine ninety, and my brother was eighty eight eighty nine. So he's a year ahead of me, even though we're identical twins. And then Alan Freed came in a year uh, after. Yeah, uh, I officially did. Uh, which was 88. So I think he graduated in 89 and uh, we were ended up being roommates, but he's a good dude. And uh, we had some hammers there at Oklahoma state. It was uh, a great experience. No doubt. Yeah. 94 is when he won his title. And I think you guys, were you guys national champs then the team? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we, won 80, we won in uh, 89, 90 and 94. So I was on campus six years and we won it three times. And wow. I was on the team. Well, technically five years with okay. the red shirt. Won okay. it twice. So, um, you know, you're around, you know, Randy Couture was on the team, Corey Bays, Kendall Cross. Yep. Uh, uh, Chris Barnes was undefeated for a couple of years, not even taken down. Wow. Uh, there, there were a lot of hammers. Pat Smith obviously was on the team. Jacob Nippy. We had some, uh, some great wrestlers, my brother, obviously. So, uh, that's just a handful of the guys. Mike Farrell was in all American about four times. Uh, Kirk Mammon, four time all American. So, uh, like I said, Randy Couture twice all American think finalist twice. So yep. Yep. That five or six year 
time frame, uh, you just you're just around a lot of killers. The coaches were killers. Uh, the athletic director was uh, Dave Martin. He was an Iowa State uh, NCAA champ. He was roommates with Dan Gable. He's a killer. So it was just a wonderful experience to be around um, people who are just like savages. Good, good guys. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, like most humans are not. And uh, that was a, a life-changing experience for me, uh, being around just uh, 50 uh, world-class humans, you know, uh, yep. Yep. about 20 guys together could take over a small country. And, you know, <laughs> That's right. Go into Grenada and you're, you're the Kings, baby. <laughs> yeah. You look at those guys for six years and it changes you as a man. No doubt. And you know, Alan should have been in the finals four years in a row, except for you guys had that one year where you kind of were on probation, I believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah, one year for him, two and a half for me. That's I got shame. checked around freshman year. I was pulled in and out of the lineup nonstop. Yeah. I remember one time uh, Henson wrestled at Missouri. Sammy Henson, he went on to win the world title. He was up at Gallagher Ibe on the mat ready for me. Uh, you know, it was a big match. I actually had a 13-year winning streak against Henson, and wow. I wanted to keep going. Um, and uh, I was getting, and, and the NCAA kept calling saying, no, Perler, Perler, Perler can't wrestle. Now he can. Now he can't. Now he can. So yeah. finally they did uh, the dual meet, I think, right, uh, 15, 20 minutes. And they finally said, screw it. You know, um, the attorneys were calling and my emotions were so jacked up anyway. I'm not sure I could have beaten him sure. uh, that time. But yeah, I got jacked around my freshman year. Um, I lost all my sophomore year, and I lost all postseason wrestling my junior year. Jeez. And then I wrestled my senior year. So, yeah, Alan lost a year. Um, me and my brother lost two years. Chuck Barbie lost uh, uh, one year. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I got jacked around pretty hardcore. So my gray shirt year kind of screwed me a lot. But, but you, um, did, you, did yeah. up, you did end up uh, winning a few uh, conference championships, and you were an All-American, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, my freshman year. I wrestled and I was NCAA qualifier. Did not place. Okay. Uh, There's a few All Americans that did that I beat that year. I was uh, pretty miserable uh, cutting all that weight. Right. Uh, now that's just probably I was young. Yeah. Uh, not an excuse. It's just I just I couldn't handle the weight cutting, sure. and uh, I faded at the end of the year. Just physically was just worn out, and. Um, you know, back then in the 90s, the coaches nowadays are quite a bit um, more smarter about their training. Sure. And back then it was just Army boot camp every day. Yeah, yeah, and, no doubt. Um, yep. You know, yep. that yep. was just the way it was. But yeah, yep. so I didn't wrestle my sophomore year, junior year. Uh, I wrestled up until the postseason. Mm-hmm. And my brother was NCAA champ that year. He transferred to Nebraska. Okay. He was able to transfer. Uh, he beat Sean Charles in the NCAA finals. Wow. Sean Wow. I lost that year. That was to me. Okay. So I uh, technically I was ranked number one in the nation that year. Couldn't couldn't wrestle. Well, then, yeah. I mean, um, both you and Alan were ranked number one that year in '93, right? I mean, he was, was undefeated. So yes, yeah, so it was Pat Smith. Yeah. And then, yeah. And the year I was ranked number one, and I just kind of blew it. And uh, you know, there's tight wrestling. It's NCAA tournament, and I ended up being all American. But uh, yeah, so. Now I'm just in the uh, wrestling business world. Been doing that for 22 years. But, you know, Oklahoma State Wrestling is something I think about every day. And like I said earlier, it changed me as a man. It's made me very successful in my life. That's great. And, you know, sometimes we just have to go through, you know, sometimes it's just flat-out nonsense when you look back on it, right? That you didn't, you you know, you really didn't have to go through it. If people had their head, uh, head on straight, you know, and had some empathy and had some 
you know, just humanity, right? Nobody would have had to go, gone through that. But you know what? It forged who Nick Perler is today. And now you are presenting those same, you know, excellent lessons to the others that you coach and that you inspire. And that's what blood time's all about, Nick. Sometimes yeah, I, you got to go through stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some things, some things are out of your hands, you know? Yeah. Um, hey, I look at the NCAA, uh-huh. you know, you're... 17 year old kid now nowadays are committing uh, at 16 years old sometimes i know and, i know and uh, so you're 16 years old and you're basically saying i will wrestle for you in a few years and you do that and the nca punishes 19 20 year old kids because you're still a kid yeah when a, a eight-year-old man breaks a few rules and the athletic director is breaking rules or you're getting punished because the football program was on probation six years ago and they've got like a 10-year probation yep Yep. Your coach breaks some stupid minor rules like paying our hope. We're red shirt freshmen on the wrestling team. Yep. We're red sh- We go to tournaments. They're called open tournaments. And they were bang- buying our hotels for us. It's perfectly legal now. It was legal the year after we did it. Yeah. But yeah. Coaches lied about it. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I am a little bit bitter but i also think that it's sort of tragic how um, even back then in the 90s the ncaa you have all of these high-powered attorneys who want to punish boys because their coaches and athletic directors and even the football coach when they were in middle school broke some rules and the school technically athletic department stood on probation and they're going to take two and a half years of my wrestling career yeah and it's just complete garbage yeah and uh, you know, it's just complete garbage, and I think it's unfair. Sure. And I think um, I don't have a lot of respect for the NCA or, 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 or what they were about back then. I don't know if it's any better nowadays. But to me, grown men should be punished, not seventeen to twenty-year-old boys. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Complete garbage, and um, that's how I feel about it. I, I hear what you're saying, Nick, and you know, I have some. Uh, some history with that with my family is that my uh, my my cousin was Jerry Tarkanian, God rest his soul. He he went through a ton of that at UNLV back in the day in the in the seventies and eighties, and he fought he he and his uh, son Danny Tarkanian fought the NCAA tooth and nail for years and finally were vindicated. Um, but it very it, it was very disingenuous and very hypocritical on a lot of the things and in, in the way they imposed, and it depended upon who was who was in favor at that time, you know? So, uh, you know, UCLA could do some things that UNLV could not because yeah, well, they, they could do the same thing. You want to cut the head off of the big, the big snake, right? Right, because right, he, right. They're high-powered attorneys, and they want to have a career. It's no different than a warmongering, uh, maybe uh, a military guy. Sure. I'm a huge military guy fan, but we know that some, you know, you cannot be a war hero unless there's a war to fight. Exactly. Right? Well said. Well said. Yeah, yep. Powered attorney, unless you have brought down some 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 people of uh, higher acclaim than you. So you're a 42 year old hotshot attorney, and you can bring down a famous 62 year old coach. You can bring down Oklahoma State wrestling. That's a feather in your cap. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. I are- these, these young guys in GQ magazine can write articles about how this attorney brought down UNLV basketball or OSU wrestling. But yeah. really, when you dig down in the weeds, you find out that it was just complete bureau- bureaucratic bullshit. Yep. And people were 
money and people are trying to build their careers on the backs of boys, which is what these attorneys were trying to do to us. And, uh, you know, you see it nowadays. Uh, uh, you just turn on the TV set, you see it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, people yeah. are making money off of, um, it's, it's really just corruption is what it is. Yeah, well, it's, it's they make money off of the, the disaffected or the under, underserved population. And they utilize that as pawns and it's really... 100%. Yeah, it's despicable yeah. and it's all agenda driven with no genuine, yeah. no genuine humanity, you know, really involved. I mean, when you look at some of the crises that are happening over the last, you know, five to 10 years, particularly right now, some of the things, how can you actually say that our leaders truly have a, a, a belief in humanity? They have a belief no. in agenda and power and, and power, you know, it's, it's that simple and power for what reason? You yeah, know, at the end of the day, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, you can't tell me that we can't take the uh, get the drugs out of the out of the streets in some of these neighborhoods. For sure, it would be very easy to do. Um, you know, there's no drugs in the military. There's no well, there are probably some, but you mm. get my point. Yeah. So, but basically, you have uh, uh, politicians or attorneys. I'm not bashing attorneys, but right. what we Oklahoma State was nothing more than career building yeah. by young hotshot attorneys who wanted to bring down a famous wrestling program. Yes, and they pumped of us kids who I don't know the coach says hey go wrestle this tournament in Drake University uh, and I show up and I'm buying my own meals but they paid the hotel I don't know what the NCA rules is the NCA rule book is about 30,000 pages thick I, know. I don't for I can hardly pass algebra and I can, I'm cutting weight four hours a week and I'm in practice and I'm trying to like yeah. navigate being a, a college freshman or a redshirt freshman. I don't know the rules. I just know that when they say you're in room 212, I went to room 212 and unpacked my bags. Yeah. I don't know why I lost two and a half years of my career over that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I don't think the athletes' uh, best interests are always, always at heart, just like I don't think that the constituents of politicians are at heart. I don't think it's all just a big uh, money grab and bureaucracy. And, um, you know, fortunately, we haven't seen a lot of this in wrestling lately. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure it's taking place at uh, in other sports, and I feel for those athletes out there who are suffering through it because, you know, that was a little bit of um, – it it, it, it it was uh, kind of somewhat devastating for me. Probably more now looking back than it was then. Sure. Then you just put the grinds down and just pound through it. Yes, That's you did. How, yep. How yep. Yep. That's my iron worker. He was a, a very awesome dad, but mean and tough. And everything was you freaking put your head down and you threw a whole lot of punches right. all day long. And that's how I lived my whole life. Sure. And that's just what I did. But now looking back as a 51 year old man, I'm like, dude, I was, I was, I was victimized by these people, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I want to, I'm bitter and I want, I want to retaliate, but I can't, it's too late. But it's, and then now when you, when you, when you see this, uh, on TV and these other aspects of, of life. And I'm just like, dude, these people don't give a crap about, about what they say they do. They're just trying to build their own career. And, um, well, you know, you're, you're, like, you're right. I mean, when you have leaders uh, buying four or five homes, million dollar homes, um, you know, and, and serving an underserved population that barely can, you know, put food on the table. Um, yeah, we've got some issues with that. Um, and yeah, hey, I'm, I, I made $150,000 a year, fortunately, and I couldn't afford four, uh, five, four, four homes worth millions of dollars each. Yeah. I don't know how they're affording this, but there's money somewhere. 
exactly. From the NCAA standpoint, these guys are building a, um, they're building a, that, you know, we were, we, we were just uh, pawns for them and, and I suffered for it, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't have, re- I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Like I said before, just because of this. Mm-hmm. Well, I, Nick, you know, it's, it's interesting. Go ahead. If I went or somewhere back then it was just Iowa and Oklahoma State. I would have probably had the similar experience. But back then it was really Oklahoma State and Iowa were the only two hammers out there. Right. And sure, sure, I had to suffer through some of that garbage out for, to no fault of my own necessarily, just for listening to my coaches. But um, ultimately, like I said before, I was around an environment of people. People talk about peer pressure like it's bad. Dude, I've experienced good peer pressure. My high school team was ranked in the nation. We had six in the state finals in high school. I was around some good young men then. My high, my high school coaches were great, great people. I go to Oklahoma State, and I'm around um, – Good, strong men who are who are uh, they're 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 success chasing savages in in the coaches and John Smith. I got to train with John for three the last three years of his career. I was one of his main training partners. Wow, probably main training partner. I traveled the nation doing John Smith camps. I didn't even do Oklahoma State camps in the summer. I just traveled with John, and I got to hang out with that guy and be around him and, and, and as, as a friend, you know, for sure. three years. Sure. Then he was my college coach my last couple of years of college wrestling. So uh, ultimately, um, what I learned from being around that environment for six years, it was absolutely career changing. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I just wouldn't because it's given me an, an, an ability to do what I do nowadays. Uh, I'm not successful in the wrestling business because I can coach wrestling better than anybody else, even though I think I probably can. Yeah. But it's because I can share this vision of you know, just like being a hammer. People. Yeah. Being a hammer. And it's that I learned at Oklahoma state, you know, and, and, uh, we interviewed a guy by the name of Hesh Sagafi who, uh, Good yeah, he, who credited obviously his, his, you know, pretty exponential success in the mortgage field with, uh, just literally just getting his butt wiped and learning how to win from a guy yep. like John Smith. So, and in that room of the, the 50 savages you were talking about, and I want to come back and explore that. Also, I want to explore how you took that, you know, that bitterness and turned it into a positive and who helped you do that. Uh, in the next segment, we're going to take a break, Nick. We'll be back in about uh, two minutes with Nick Perler from uh, the Perler Wrestling Academy. Thank you. So our producer, Maverick Peters' dad, Scott Peters, was a heck of a high school wrestler, and he wrestled every day with the same guy, and they both made the state tournament. That guy was Jack Coslin. He's the owner of ServPro of Beachwood. ServPro of Beachwood is the industry leader in flood and fire cleanup and restoration, and they serve all of Northeast Ohio. But they're also short of staff. They're looking for team members. And if you're willing to work hard and help homeowners and businesses get their lives back in order and work with a former state qualifier, seek out ServPro of Beachwood. They will provide training, support, and, of course, benefits. So if you're looking for that good entry-level position, seek Jack Coslin, the owner of ServPro of Beachwood, at ServProofBeachwood.com. Jack Coslin, thank you. Defense Soap at DefenseSoap.com. In the midst of our current health crisis, we at Blood Time want to thank Guy and Gus Seiko and the team at Defense Soap as a beacon of our protection. Body wipes, skin cleansers, bars of soap, shower gels, and disinfectant tablets. 
All this and more as Defense Soap is on the front line of our protection. Thanks to the Seiko family and their team at Defense Soap. Check them out for all your protection needs during these precarious times. Defense Soap at DefenseSoap.com. Hey, and we're back. This is Coach Simroni with Nick Perler and uh, had some great com- conversations with him first uh, first segment. Nick, you know, obviously there was some, some real tough stuff that you went through, but there's also some amazing stuff that you went through with some amazing people. You know, blood time is that blood time moment. Who was that blood time moment person for you and what did they say or what did they do and how do they transform you and now what are you doing with that transformation and taking that you know some of those negative things that happen to you into a positive world and now you're 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 inspiring other people to do so uh through your academy yeah well probably my wife we uh when i was my second year of school i gray shirted and then my red shirt year i met my wife she was a just fresh on campus, you know, fresh out of high school, probably September, I think. Okay. Um, ninth or something. I remember the date we met. Wow. And that was 30 something years ago, right? Right. Uh, right. But uh, so, you know, Jackie and I dated all throughout college and then ended up getting married right after my senior year of college. And then, um, you know, I, I was kind of lost in life. I, Back in the day, it was weird because I see these little Taekwondo gyms. I thought I could do that for wrestling one day. Right. And, and, and really for me, it wasn't like from a business. Let's be honest. I have a business. I make money. Okay. Yeah. But I, but I also coach and I, I'm like everything I've done is built around one thing. Number one, from an academy standpoint or training weekly practice standpoint, what what could I have had? Because when I get to college, right, mm-hmm. um, Robbie Haddon was one of was was on campus. He and Pat were good friends. Robbie was he might have been an All American as a, as a redshirt freshman. I believe he was. Okay. Then he ended up leaving. There was some uh, personal issues there. You know, it's tough when you're a young guy. Sure. Um, the, uh, his coach Zespan, NCA either NCAA champ or All-American for Iowa State. That was his middle school coach. Wow. His freaking middle school coach in high, in, in high school. Now, I had great coaches. My coach was listening to this. I'm not knocking them a bit. Pat Smith had Leroy Smith, second in the world NCAA champ. That was his coach when he was a little kid. Right. His brother. Right. And he had John Smith, all right? And then, like, Jacob Newby and all these guys who were coming through our program, they all had, like, very um, – they all had very extremely experienced wrestling coaches, and I had good coaches. And they're also in Oklahoma and from California and from all these really high-powered wrestling states. Yes. And you know, I had great coaches, but we didn't wrestle. In the, there was off-season wrestling in, around St. Louis because my mom and my dad and some friends of ours started Team St. Louis. They got okay. Pepsi to sponsor us. We hired Mizzou wrestlers to drive a three hours and 20 minutes round trip twice a week to train us. So, I mean, I had a, I had a, I sold my four wheeler when I was 12 and I, and I had a home wrestling mat. What other kids do that? I, I love did. that. <laughs> Your big wheel. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. 
three-wheeler back then. And then we, we, we had technique in a book that we learned. It was a light blue uh, wrestling technique book. I still have it. Uh, it's in my mom's house. So we, we literally, when I get to college wrestling, I was like so lost. I remember we used to do evening practices with Jim Shields, one of the greatest coaches in America that no one knows about. Chuck Barbie would uh, attest to that. He was another guy on the team. He runs the NCAA um, rules committees. He was an All-American. But, um, so we used to have practices, and we were doing open practices, and Ben Cross called me a greenhorn, and I was so freaking pissed off at that guy. I love because it. Because I was like, because I didn't, I really didn't know how to score from a high crotch. I just got a leg and tried to get two, you know? Yeah. And then, so um, we were, uh, Jim Shields, who was at Mizzou as a coach at one point in time, he was All-American at, at Oklahoma State, then he's back at Oklahoma State as the assistant. He gets me and my brother and about four to six other guys, and we're doing 8.30 to uh, 10 o'clock practices at night. And I'm talking almost every night for months. Love it. And he said, and don't tell the coaches. They're not going to be happy that I'm working with you guys on the side. Yeah. He's like, but you guys need help. So here I am thinking – I don't know what the hell I'm freaking doing, mm-hmm. but you know, we won junior nationals in Greco a couple of times and placed some freestyle. We didn't, we didn't really have a very good leg attack until we learned the John Smith low single leg, Craig Martin, a good friend of mine still, he was all American at Mizzou. He yeah. showed me John Smith's low single leg when I was a junior in high school, me and my brother mastered it. We had a ch- two chairs on our wrestling mat with a, a broomstick over it we were practice shooting low at night absolutely I absolutely balls. i love that drill <laughs> yeah i used to throw tennis balls in my wrestling room downstairs in my basement and try to catch it with my low single leg hand and we were just psychotic about wrestling but yeah so i think when i started my academy i was like uh you know i saw this opportunity because i saw these these taekwondo gyms and i would right. do that for I thought I could do that from like a, a, as a job or a career, but mostly the driving force. Getting back to what I said earlier, I apologize. I'm a little bit long winded. No, it's okay. But, uh, I'll keep you corralled. Don't worry. Been, That's what a good coach does. I keep you corralled. Yeah. On the on the on point, my man. <laughs> it's always been how. What could I have used when I was coming up? Okay. From a camp the camp system. I was not happy with the way camps were ever ran when I was working them. And I was like, what camp would I send my son to? Right. That's my criteria. What, what could I have used growing up from a training standpoint? Okay. There you go. Early Wrestling Academy. What kind of camp would I send my son to? There you have it. It's early wrestling summer camps. That's the driving force in everything is customer driven. And what will make a wrestler really good, really fast? Because I think the be patient, trust the process. I think that's kind of bullshit. Okay. I'm like, oh man, if you want to wrestle in college, you better have a famous coach texting you by the time you're 17 years old. We don't have until we're 39 years old. We got to go people. Right. You know? right. And so I am extremely results oriented and that's just the way it is. And I think that's a, um, what I learned at Oklahoma State too, and that's just how I live my life, and that's mm-hmm. how we structure our business. But you know, the the blood time moment for me, the person was obviously my wife because she was always like, "You can do that, you can do that, you sure. can do that." And I kind of bounced around, not knowing what I'm going to do in my life because all I ever did was chase wrestling goals. And when I was done, got married, and I had a degree in exercise science, and then I got to grad school at Mizzou. I just didn't want to do that, and I got some uh, job working at a machine shop, which I actually loved. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, maybe I'll be a teacher." So I moved back to Oklahoma to get my teaching credentials, ended up getting a job in Texas on an emergency permit. Okay. She was down there. I was miserable in Texas. I didn't like the city. I didn't like uh, 
the, the bull crap of, of teaching and coaching. Uh, teaching is a small part of what these teachers do. Yeah. And, and I lived yeah. it. That was 25 years ago, but it was just a bull crap profession for me because I don't think it was kids oriented. I think it was just, just, I think it was, I just don't, don't like it. And then she was like, let's move to Missouri. Start your, start your wrestling business. You've talked about doing it. You can do this. And uh, that went on for about a year and a half. And uh, oh no, right away it, it took off right away. But obviously, we starved for about two and a half years. We both quit our jobs, moved to Missouri with nothing. Right. We had two that time. She's making eight bucks an hour, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm doing odd jobs, working for my dad, working for a chiropractor. I got some uh, teaching job at a little private school, making fifteen thousand dollars a year. I was working three jobs and starting my business, and I was grinding hard. But there was times where I was like, maybe I can do this on the side, and maybe I can maybe get into financial planning, which I was always into to, to the coaching aspect of that and how there's a, a, a opportunity to build something for yourself. Sure. Um, you know, and she's like, no, you're in the wrestling business, make it work. And that was kind of a, a, a career changing moment for me because it was like, you, it is working, Nick, you are quit your teaching job. We are paying the bills. So we there was no, there, so at that point, Jackie goes to you, there's no plan B. This is plan yeah. A, plan and plan Z. <laughs> yeah, that, I love that. that. A, because when you're a man, you know, yeah. and when I my, my dad was just, uh, he was a, it was a iron worker union guy. Sure. Uh, he always encouraged us to, 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 to start our own business. He's like, you guys cannot get along good with other people. <laughs> He's like, you need to work for yourself. I love but it. I will tell you, I yeah. will tell you when I started my own business, he, he and my family, they had two interventions with me trying to convince me not to do this. Sure. Trying me sure. to do that because it was it wasn't I wasn't raking it in and I wasn't killing I wasn't crushing it and he was nervous about my future sure. just like any family where he's like you got to be a man and support your family you can't chase this pipe dream anymore you know and there was two like interventions there and I was like hey f you guys I'm gonna make it work then, I love that I love that it worked but my dad wasn't uh, wasn't trying to talk me out of it he was just scared sure and sure well you know it's a generational <laughs> thing Nick I mean you know think about it too you're an iron worker you're not an entrepreneur. So, um, and yep. you, you got to respect that. And, and the man obviously put his head down and put food on your table and a roof over yep. your, your back, you know, you and a roof over your house and food on your, you know, and clothes on your back. So having said all that, you got a great support system in Jackie. And, you know, l- let me, let me distill this down from, f- for you, Nick, tell me what the Perler system is all about and what do you want to impart to the wrestling and to the world at large? What is your message? Yeah, well, so what we tell, we, we focus on four key areas. One is your mental game, sure. right? Uh, and not just mental toughness and working hard. Everyone does that. You know, the yeah. whole, com- whole concept of just work harder and be tougher and things will happen for you. I think that's 100% spot on for a time being. Wrestling's 90% mental. Sure it is. In the beginning, yep. the, then what if you're, what if you're a, a Division One starter in college wrestling? Everybody's doing that, right? Now what? And right. that's my I'm I'm focusing on I'm focusing on what separates the one percenters from the from each other. Sure. And I think the whole coaching uh, mantras is all engineered towards getting the bottom 10 to 30% athlete or wrestler into the state medals. Mm -hmm. And this coach speak to me is completely 
moronic. I think it's overblown. I think I think we you should teach and coach to the upper third of the group, and everybody else better tread water until they can swim, and then they need to get on shore, then they need to take on running, and they need to be a part of the deal. You know. So okay. our approach from the mental game standpoint is all how to maybe. Um, this is something I struggled with as an athlete. You know, just dealing with anxieties of wrestling, learning how to to protect your bloodstream as far as not allowing these stress hormones to enter in your blood system and how to have good thoughts, how to be a happy warrior, uh, how to have, um, you know, blissful dissatisfaction is what Ed Milet calls it. That's a wonderful way of putting it. Okay. Uh, I like that. Blissful dissatisfaction. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. How you cannot figure out the match beforehand, how you have to sort of, you know, you have a game plan, but really, you know, it's like a quarterback. When they snap the football, you got to figure some things out on the fly. And so uh, that's number one. Uh, The number two would be uh, the positioning side of wrestling. We call them the four pillars. You know, I would rather win one to nothing than 13 to 12. And people bash me on on social media for for making that statement, but they just don't know what the hell they're talking about because it's a fact. And they go, well, isn't it better to win 13 to nothing? I'm like... Well, duh. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You think you think Kyle Dake's going to beat Jordan Burroughs 13 to nothing? No. So it is better. I would rather get five takedowns in practice today and give up zero than get 20 takedowns in practice and give up 15. Right. I cannot. Yeah, so positioning is important. Yeah. Uh, so the mind game, positioning, and uh, then hand fighting and moving your feet, right? Sure. There's footwork. Only- oh, my good goodness. Footwork and, and hands are your first in, and first defense and first defense. 100%. Yes. So, yep. so yep. And, and, and that's a part of, that's one of our pillars. And our last pillar is technique. And from a technique standpoint, everything is prioritized in a hierarchy. So we, we mostly focus on the common positions. For example, uh, in high school wrestling, your opponent's going to grab your neck about eight, nine times a match. I've counted. So eight times a match times 50 matches is 400 times a year. Someone's going to grab your neck with a collar tie. Yep. Ding, 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 ding. Yep. Hey, dude, we've got a common position here. Yeah. Right? So we have five ways to score from there you know if i don't have to shoot two free throws a season i wouldn't waste my precious practice time working free throws yep but a lot of free throws so any team that's worth their salt is a tremendous free throw team so we look at wrestling and the common positions that we're in and we focus on the best one to three ways to score from there but with our elite academy we scope focus on the best three to five and then on, on our super advanced program which is called the world-class wrestler program i mean we go deeper into the common positions because now we're going counters to counters right sure. i have a front that's a common position what's the best two ways to counter out well what if your opponent counters out now that's another common position it's not common it's not common except for that last 5-10% of a wrestler in America who yeah. actually knows a couple of counters to get out of a front headlock. So now there are positions that are not common to every wrestling match, but they're damn common when you start looking at the top 10-20 uh, ranked guys in America. Sure. So from a technique standpoint, uh, that's our philosophy. So a mental game, a positioning, we want to have the best stance in America and be impossible to score on and yep. still be... We want to be able to move our feet like an, an ice skater skating on ice. Yes. We want to have hand fighting tactics so that we can wrestle to the leg. Yep. Right? Don't well, you know, it's interesting to- because Pat Milkovich talked about how he wanted to be an ice skater. That's all he wanted to do. 
you go. And here's Pat Milkovich, a two-time, uh, four-time NCAA finalist, two-time champion. And boy, oh boy, footwork is incredibly important. Incredibly 100%. important. Yep. Yeah, because yep. you have to get to your stuff, right? Yep. And yep. that's the hard part about wrestling is people don't even understand. Yeah. And you, you see frustrated parents. And a big part of what I do, the reason we have, you know, last year we had over 400 uh, academy students, 417. And then COVID hit and then we dropped a little bit. But we're, sure. we're, we're, we're over 350, 360 now. Why do we have 360 families training with us every week? Because I'm training the parents too. Sure. Big and time. Big time. Yep. Beautiful stuff. That is beautiful stuff, Nick. It's inc incredibly important because it's an entire family that needs to help this, this effort to be an excellent wrestler, be an excellent human being. You need and great need parenting. Like, yeah. We need to be on the same page. And if they yep. don't believe in what I'm doing, then they should quit. People yeah. say, do you have yeah. I go, no. They go, I, I go, I don't even want you to be loyal. You be loyal to, to the results. If you're not getting results, leave, yes. you know, but yes. I do know this though. And Oklahoma state taught us this. They, they said, we can make you a great wrestler, but if you want to be the best, you have to do that on your own. Sure. So we call that micro training. So macro training is what we can do in a, in a room with uh, our coaches and our guys. Yeah. Right. And then you, progress your way up through our levels of academy or our camps we have we have 56 day camps we have 28 day camps we also have five day camps you choose what you think you you're interested in and every camp has a different sort of practice plan that's built kind of like mathematics is built right yep. you're not going to do do until you can do long division but in wrestling coaching we do that we bounce around a lot of times but i think that um you know i, I try to educate the parents in the fact that just because you can drill a technique doesn't mean you can hit it against an opponent. And then once you can hit it against an opponent, that doesn't mean you can hit it against a state medalist or a state champ or a national champ. And then you say, well, yes, I did. I won high school nationals. Well, now I'm in college getting my head beat in the Iowa State practice room. Guess what, dude? You're starting over. Yes, you know? yes. So how do you actually use these techniques that you know? A lot of it does come down to hand fighting and, and, and footwork, a, a big part of it. And a lot of it's just sheer instinctive as well but from a positioning standpoint if you're on on my leg 17 times of practice how am i ever supposed to get to my near on far leg yeah. dude you can't mm -hmm. because you 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 don't have time because people are on your legs all practice so positioning really pretty much trumps technique in my estimation yes and positioning is incredibly incredibly important getting the angle I call it economy of motion, Nick. I call, yeah. I want to be in the best position with the least amount of work. Yeah, exactly. You yep. know, and you so go. what I'm, what I'm also hearing from you too is two things that I love. One is positive self-talk and self-coaching. The greatest compliment you can give a parent is the, be, the ability to be a self-parent, doing the right thing, putting yourself in the right position with no one looking. Same thing with coaching as an athlete, being a self-coach. And the, the other thing that I'm hearing from you is being unconsciously competent, knowing what to do without even thinking about it. Those yes. two things, I think, are resonating hugely from what you're, what you're positioning and what you're teaching in the, at the academy. But you cannot do that when, when you have these thoughts. So in wrestling, you need to be instinctive. It's called yep. entering the flow state. You cannot do that. Some kids wrestle, most of us, myself included as a wrestler probably, wrestle better in practice than we do matches. Sure. Why? Well, because in matches, there's there's some pressure. We really want to win. There's a lot on the line. Yep. So we try to, we, we, we want this this scary feeling to go away. So we try to pre-plan how to win the match. And now we're becoming very conscious. There's right. a great book 
Center game of tennis, and it talks about being subconscious and not conscious. Yes. You can't be conscious out there on the tennis court. You have to be uh, – your subconscious has to take over. Yeah, the, the zone, being in the zone, being control. in the zone. Absolutely, being yeah, in the zone. Yeah, the yep. more you try to gain control over the match – because you're nervous and scared about the outcome and you want to you want to win so bad or your coaches or your parents want you to win so bad that they sit you down and they start mapping out exactly how to win the match they're causing you to become very conscious right and um and so yeah as far as um operating instinctively or however was it you phrased it i said unconsciously competent you just you just know what to do without even thinking about it you just know what to do without thinking about it yeah, unless your mental game is on, unless you know how to navigate the emotions of wrestling. Sure. And uh, have a phrase, whatever happens, happens. Yep, well said. That's part of our, that's part of our four pillars of our mind game, right? Yep. Uh, so we have, um, so I try to educate the parents and, and kids as well not to try to make this scary feeling go away just by pre-planning how the match is going to go. So we have a, pra- a, 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 a thing we do in practice sometimes. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask you guys what's going to happen in the match this weekend. And I want all of you to say, I don't have a clue. And they do that like three times. Yeah. And I'm like, there you go. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. Don't even worry about it. Now, sure, you might have a rough, loose game plan. If I'm wrestling an opponent that I know, I might say, I think he's going to back up to the edge and try to score. I think he's going to ride left-handed on top. I think he's going to, because they did that last time, I think my underhook will work again because I wrestled him at freestyle camp last summer and I underhooked the crap out of him and won. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep these things in mind but ultimately i'm just going to hold position score every chance i get and whatever happens happens and that's yeah. pretty much our our, our our you know three three of the core sort of uh talking points about our mental game because we're giving up control Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for anything. Just like a quarterback, when you snap me the ball, I have a play I'm trying to run. But holy shit, it doesn't work 98% of the time. The quarterback has to figure it out on the fly. Sure, that's and why you have three or four or five different progressions. No question about it. Go. Absolutely. And that's what good coaching is all about, too. Being able to help and see and in a symbiotic relationship, coach the athlete. And I think yep. that that's really a beautiful thing. That's where the chair comes in play. And that's where most people kind of fall, fall, fall down as a coach. Uh, yeah, they so, try to. Yeah. They overdo it. Yeah, they overdo, they overdo it. it. So I think that's yeah. beautiful. And I, I love that. And, uh, and Nick, I could talk to you forever about this stuff. It's fantastic. And, uh, and, and I want to. Uh, I want to have you back at a, a different time. But we're, we're getting close to our, our time frame, if you will. And you've been good. you've been dropping a lot of pearls, man. A lot of pearls, and I I I, I love it. Uh, Perler, I love that. Uh, ah. So what I want to do is though, at, at what we're doing now during this time of the COVID, obviously, is closing with some 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 words of encouragement and courage from our guests. So I'm going to alert, turn it over to you for your last word of uh, of courage and encouragement that you can leave with our audience. So as far as encouraging athletes, you're talking about sure just during this time. Yeah during this time yeah oh, oh and as far as covid or just as uh, as as a career path and a goal chaser you know what give it however you want to present it however you want to present yeah. it yeah yeah i would say organize 
a plan. Okay. And if you're a kid who is 12 or 9 or you're a high school sophomore and you've only wrestled three years, that could be difficult. The coaches and parents listening to this, we have to train according to some kind of a plan for crying out loud. This has been, hey, and I'm going to sound very arrogant, and I do not mean to do that. If people say, man, Nick, how do you, I mean, we have, we're, we're adding on to our gym. I'll have 25,000 square foot here in St. Louis. I have an 8,000 square, 8, square foot gym in, 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 in central Missouri, bought a Dollar General. Sure. And, why is my camps full? Why, why are people driving seven hours round trip for a two-hour practice? And they are, and there's quite a few of them, probably 20. Mm-hmm. Why is this happening? How do you how do you coach wrestling as a job and you haven't had a, a quote, real job for 21 years? And, and, and I say this, there's not a lot of competition out there. Okay. These coaches, and I was a joke. I'm a self-proclaimed joke as okay. a high school coach my first year. Okay. And I wanted to be good at it. Right. And I look here and I go, you suck. You better start winning. And I started getting very organized. And when I got organized, yep. how come this gym expansion I'm doing has a blueprint? Because sure. you have to have a blueprint. And I model a lot of my uh, a lot of my wrestling training around what they do in gymnastics. In gymnastics, my, my niece actually just won the all-around level 10 gymnastics state title, so she's the best gymnast in the state of Missouri right now. Fantastic. Um, but they have levels, right? How come karate has levels? How come wrestling, you're, some of you watching this, are listening, you're going to send your 9 year, 10-year-old or your 16-year-old first-year wrestler to a camp, and some coach or high school coach or college kid is going to show them 12 ways to throw someone from a Russian two-on-one. Yeah. And you're going to be getting ripped off. Gotcha. And I'm like, is there no plan here? So yeah. if you want to have, if you want encouragement from me, yes. let's avoid discouragement. Why are you discouraged? Because you've been bought into the big lies. You're only as good as your workout partners. No, you're only as good as your single leg, dude. Oh, <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I went, I'm putting in mat time. Hey, just because you're hot, tired, and sweaty after practice doesn't mean you got good today. Right. You practiced 13 ways to throw someone out of a Russian two-on-one. You got your, you wasted your time today, right? There's something called opportunity cost. You're stealing this opportunity to learn these. How come every college wrestling match looks the same? That is by design. That's not by accident, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so if you can avoid discouragement by saying, here's my weightlifting plan in season. Yep. Here's my weight plan off season here's my lifting plan in season here's my wrestling plan here's my drill plan have you ever my brother and i did have you ever taken a piece of paper and wrote front headlock on it and then a ear-to-ear collar tie and then underhook and then uh, uh cross wrist and then uh rear standing position have you wrote all of the common positions down and then under front headlock wrote everything that you know and then under ear-to-ear collar tie, well, everything offensively you know. Then you wrote cross wrist, all of the tilts you know. No, you probably have not. So you need to get very organized. And I think if, if kids and coaches and parents would just oh, train, organize, and according to a, a system. And I'm going to plug my online wrestling academy right now. Sure. Listen to Colton Schultz. He's won world titles in high school. His dad bought my bought my uh, training program and pulled this kid out of school and did homeschooling. And he and his brother Trenton just 
drilled. Nick Lee from Penn State grew up using my system. You can you can go to my website right now. Uh, Stefan Mishik's dad gave me a testimony that'll blow your freaking mind. Sure. You know, so so I have a plan if you want it. It's, out, it's on our website, but if you want to make up your own, we have to have some kind of a plan. How come the gymnastics coaches have a plan and we have wrestling coaches who are just randomly pulling moves off of YouTube? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> you guys are just, there's nothing. I'm surprised that American wrestling is as good as it is, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. And these coaches are good dudes. They're just, they're just, they haven't snapped out of it yet. And I will tell you. I was I sucked as a coach in, in high school my first year. By the time my third year, I was one of the best coaches in America. That sounds arrogant, but that is a fact because sure. I attacked it. And I think that once we get organized and systematic, now, you know, some people are discouraged. And I'm like, I would be too. Yeah. I have kids coming to my camp right now. They've wrestled seven years. They're right-handed, but they have a left-handed wrestling stance. I go, you can't wrestle with your left foot forward and shoot right-handed. Well, coach, I've always done that. And I'm just like, Man, how come nobody noticed that? The, the poor kid, you know? And, and, and if you put seven years of experience in and yep. you still can't place in state, I don't blame you for quitting, yep. right? Yep. I, well, it's interesting, Nick, what, what you're saying because everybody, every wrestler that I've ever coached that's listened to me has either placed or won the state tournament. Yeah. Those that don't, those that don't are have a very uh, frustrating career. And I said, hey, it's up to you. You want to listen? Great. If you don't want to listen, that's fine too. God bless America. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's a great country. And all you got to do is you have to, to point to all the other kids who did, right? Yes. I, will I said, here's the guy. Here's the guy that's just, and we just did it. We had a kid that went 25 and uh, and two this year, okay? Made the state tournament or was an alternate to the state tournament. And the reason he did that was he put in the work. And nobody else yeah. did. Nobody else did, and, you know, yeah. and so, and that and just happens. It's that simple. Mindset of, it's just, it's just who, who, who's the most fatigued at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, my brother told, told the dad, dad was like, oh, he was complaining about something. And my brother was like, Hey dude, mm -hmm. if you just want me to throw a hot, tired and sweaty kid in your truck after practice, I can do that. No, I'll tell you long. Yeah. Like three different ways mm -hmm. in an hour and a half. That's going to take a little bit of work, you know? Yep. And, and a lot of it comes down to, uh, from a coaching standpoint, you when you get organized, you're going to avoid discouragement from your coaches and your coaching staff. People are going to win, and then word of mouth takes over, and then kids in the hallway, and then there's newspaper articles and internet articles, and then you go to recruit at the middle school and youth, and like, oh yeah, we oh we yeah we want to wrestle there, and then I mean it just takes time, but if you can get organized and get a system approach, yep, I mean. You can get good. You can get good very, very quick, and I've 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 le I've learned that and lived it. So I I hear what you're saying, 100, percent and I appreciate that. And Nick, you've been great. You've been great. I I, I could talk to you for hours, uh, but 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 we, but we can't. So we gotta we gotta wrap this up. And I want to thank you so much for the pearls that you've really dropped in this episode. All right, and, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, and what you're doing out there is fantastic. So Nick. Perler, give one more last plug of your place and your website. 
Yeah, you go to perlerwrestling.com. We pretty much do it all. Camps, clinics, academy, you name it. Uh, we sell out most years. We sold out before April this year. So, our, But we do have girls camps still uh, in, in, in session. We have an online training program that those guys I mentioned utilized as growing up. So you just you just Google Perler Wrestling. And if you don't want to come to our camps, fine. I would encourage you to look at our uh, look at Facebook and YouTube and just type Perler Wrestling. Some of our wrestling videos there have a couple hundred thousand views. Uh, that's free. I don't want to dime for it. I don't try to charge for that stuff. I don't charge for about 95% of what I do. Sure. I throw tons of information out there, but it's not always wrestling moves. So if you would just go to Instagram, social media, Facebook, and you just go to a new type Perler Wrestling and you search and you go to videos, you go to YouTube, there's 970 videos there. Every. If everything is there, you just have to dig. I have shared everything that I've learned in video, and I spent hundreds of hours doing it. Sure. And I love it because I'm a coach at heart. So if you can't come out here for any reason, that's fine. I, I, that's fine. You should study everything that we have because I can help you if you just quit trying to have 47 mentors pick a few people who are actually winning and you go really, 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 really deep yep. and you live there. Yep. I mean, boom. So just check us out on social media or on YouTube also because there's so much information. I can change your whole wrestling career if you just sit and listen. You don't even have to come out here. It's all out there. So well, listen – Absolutely. Well, listen to us on Blood Time too, my friend, because we're sure, changing yes, lives as well. One episode at a time. And Nick Perler, you have been phenomenal. We really appreciate your philosophy. It is rare and it's and it's full of excellence. And we love Thank that. You. And we love that you were raised by savages and are currently <laughs> raising savages. It's there great stuff. Well, keep doing what you're doing in the show me state of Missouri, my man. Peter, I appreciate it. All right, God bless. This is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. We are all blood. Love to all. This is Coach Cimarroni. I trust you are well and about to emerge after this most challenging of years. In all that we have collectively been through, we can still find that silver lining. That said, it is my pleasure and honor to announce a rekindling and reconnection to my long time and good friends at the Montrose Auto Group. Mike Thompson, Chris Mills, and the incredible staff at Montrose Westside have afforded me and Razor, my company, an opportunity to present the outstanding lineup of high-quality vehicles in their stable. Jaguars, Range Rovers, Volvos, and a bevy of high-quality pre-owned vehicles are at our and your disposal. I look forward to being of service to you and your family, friends, company, and associates at your request and direction. Let's get together soon to discover how we may be a solution to your driving requirements and desires. Thanks so much and talk soon. This is Coach Cimarroni for the Montrose Auto Group's West Side Store.